0: In 1959, a group of 10 experienced hikers would set out on a ski hiking expedition in the northern Urals Mountains in the Soviet Union. Their aim was to hike for 14 days, from the city of Vizai to the top of a mountain called Otorten. a hike of 306 kilometres. It was the middle of winter, not exactly the best time to be out in the wilderness of Russia. They would camp, hike and ski. They would undoubtedly see some great sights. This is no story of a great adventure though. No, this story doesn't have a happy ending. This week on Cheeky Tales, we cover the mystery that is the Outlaw Pass. Yes.
1: Can you pick a happy one? Just no, no. This is, months this is months now. This is <laughs> months. <laughs> Every of episode of mine is a like, episode topic. Sorry, I'm of mine. pretty sure the last episode was enjoyable. No. Your topics are lovely. Oh, okay. His topics are miserable. No, nah, this is a the great sh- story. The shade is thrown entirely in that direction. <laughs> this is a, this is an
0: awesome story. What was the one I did before? The murdering bloke? Um, uh, great Fire of London. Great Fire, great of, the- fire of London. And that was a the funny one. And then the whale. <laughs> fire. Great, great <laughs> Fire then- of London. Great bowls of fire in London. Lots of people died. And then I had the one where they ate each other on the boat. Yeah. Ate
1: each other on the boat. Yeah. <laughs> it- icky. Itchy. Is this Yeah, I've had a bad. run. I've it's- had a run of. Is, is, Aaron's- Aaron's- is Aaron
2: in a? De- is this his depression stage? This is, is this depression his- stage. This is my emo, this is his
1: emo phase. phase This is emo. This is thirty-year-old emo repression. Life <laughs> is pain. <laughs> he's even kind of got the hair
2: at the moment, like a bit of bit of more oh, growth he's got in the fringe. A- he does and- have a fringe. Yeah, I'm due for a cut. <sighs>
1: What are you doing, Sean? That's your—that's literally your I domain. He, listen to him. The minute he get—the minute his best friend becomes a barber, every two days, like, oh, I'm due for a cut. Damn, look at
0: me and tell me I'm not due for a cut. Yeah, uh, it okay. looks no. nice. Are you, are you paying for these cuts? Yes. Oh, Damn, you suck. No, <laughs> no. You can at least pay for half because. Of Sean's whole thing at the moment is he gets a cut
1: of every cut that he does. Yeah, but I'm a contra- I'm a contractor. Yeah, he doesn't have you a like, wage. You don't make money doing mates' rates. So if I give him for less for one mate, yeah, for one, if it starts at one mate, then where is it? F- it stop. That's at correct. one mate, <laughs> you don't have to cut my hair.
2: I'm growing it. So you're good. Hey, hey mate, you're not cutting your. You charge yourself. Oh, you gotta have hair to cut <laughs> this. <laughs> That was a
0: mean setup, boy. That was a mean setup. I currently have
1: the freshest haircut in this house. Thank you very much that's for right. the most recent haircut. That's right. I've got enough for both of us. Head cut. Head cut. Head cut.
0: Well, yeah, as you uh, so rightly point out, Sean, it's another sad tale of- Nah, this is a good one, boy. Death. This is a good one. Yes, it's it's death, but this is a good story. It is a good story and um, potentially solved So recently as last year. Oh, really? Hmm. Well, that's, that's a- Uh, Update that I have not heard.
2: Mm. Not definitively. So before we get into the story, Mm. you want to cast your mind back to when we were- Yes, one of the funniest stories
0: of our podcast. Planning this podcast. When- So I had the idea for the the basic structure of this podcast when I was in the shower one day and I got out and I hadn't even dried off yet and I texted John about it.
2: Oh, that's- I didn't know that. That's I was that soft
0: and f- wet. I was so. Oh, that makes me feel itchy. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, and uh, one of the I was like, "Here's what we do, you know. We like it's you and I telling each other stories that, like, you know, you can't believe you haven't heard of or like insane stories, you know, like balloon fest, Diatlov Pass, um, something else that I can't remember what it was now. And um, they're yeah, probably good. Could- and John is going like, "Oh yeah, you know." That sounds great. And we get like maybe two weeks into the planning of the the podcast. <laughs> we, he's like, we're, hey, trying to, we're trying to get a couple of ideas ahead so we've got I, like I heard of this story that I think would be really good for the podcast. A-S-B-O-D-L-O-V? Uh D-Y-A-T-L-O-V. D-Y-A-T-L-O-V. And he's like, Yeah, I heard of this story. It's um it's um uh like Diatlov, D Dyatlov, Diatlov, and I'm like, Diatlov's pass. And he's like, Yeah, and I'm like, Read the first message <laughs> I sent you about this episode, this podcast. Yeah. So Diatlov Pass has been there since the very beginning as one we've wanted to do. I just tried searching the, the yeah. text conversation, but it's not popping up. Yeah. It wouldn't have been text. It would have been Facebook. But anyway, um, so I'm sure that some of you probably know about Diatlov Pass. It's one of, the, one of the most famous mysteries um, that's out there, to be honest. A lot of people talk about it. And I thought, you know what? Time to give it a crack. So, uh, so I thought I would. But, yeah, it's been there since the very beginning okay. of this podcast. The message you sent me. Mm. Yeah, podcast idea.
2: And I say I'm Just listening. remember, sopping wet. This is, <laughs> this is
0: 8th of October 2020. I'm dripping. So, that's like height of COVID, right? Was it? Hang on. 8th of October. 2020. We didn't release an episode until like- Right, champ? Right. You have sent we me- We didn't release an episode until like July. Yeah.
2: It's called- have you heard the story of dot dot dot? That's right. You and I tell yeah. each other prominent stories of interesting things, such as the space poo, the Love Pass
0: incident. <laughs> Is the space poo, really? The first thing I said. Yeah. Wow.
2: The love Pass incident. The Summerton man. The full story of Stephen Bradbury, okay. etc. And I go, I like it. So obviously, I can't the other person. The
1: space poo was the first thing I said. Yep.
0: Oh, uh, yep.
2: Okay, so that, and then we just,
0: yep, that's all good. Well, there you go. That's uh, that's story time in our 52nd episode. I'm now I'm looking for when I said it to you. It would have only been like, it, oh, I think you said it to me in person. Yeah, it's not coming up in the thing. Yeah. Anyway. But yeah,
2: the space poo was the first thing. We have done the space poo, haven't we? We did the space poo. Yeah, we space talked wave. about
0: that at one point. Yeah, yep. I think we talked about it at the space race. Anyway, um, so
2: checking off the third of the stories in the original message. The other thing we've got going at the moment at the start of each episode is your cat <laughs> howling in the background. This yeah, is the second yeah. episode in a row.
0: Look at him. He's, he's gotten, going nuts. got his little ball. Now he's going to go and drop it somewhere and be like, someone throw this thing. Yeah, there he goes. I think Sean's getting ahead of the story. He's like deep in
2: the.
1: Sean's deep so in tired. The I'm also very tired, but I. this is how I keep up. I get ahead of the story. I make sure I go over some specific things so I can jump in and- But <laughs> well, we I am are,
0: very tired. We are seven minutes in to just eight minutes now into talking about our podcast history. So, I am Aaron, storyteller this week. We've got John, my listener extraordinaire and co-host. And we have our producer, Sean, who is very tired and ready for some, I'm sure- insightful comments and winks
1: mostly 40 of them <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right so boy. for sean's benefit let's crack on
2: take me by the hand lead me
1: up the path um could have gone with pass yeah yeah it's too too low hanging. two on the nose two on the nose, <laughs> on the nose.
0: <laughs> show me the lights tell me the story Ooh, good reference <laughs> thank you what was the point of the hike so the first question I'm sure many people are asking themselves after that introduction is why would they be out there anyway? Oh, I thought it might have been did we pronounce the outloves properly. Well, yes we did. The answer to why were they there is to get a high uh, to get the highest certification certification? Certification in hiking. <laughs> no.
2: Certification?
0: Certification.
2: Was, what, certification. Do, what did
0: I say last episode?
2: Renesistance?
0: No. Ren- Ren- resistance. Ren- Renesistance. Ren- resistance. yeah. <laughs> you also get. I didn't say it in the last episode, but you kept saying, the, what was the what you was You kept the name? Vincenzo. 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 It's Vincenzo. Vincenzo. Oh, whatever.
2: Cienzo. I'm English, not French. Vincenzo. He was Italian.
0: Ah, uh, whatever. <laughs> Once again,
1: you are English. <laughs> You're not, though. You're Australian. I'm Australian, mate. Picture yourself looking old at your English passport.
0: Picture yourself listening to the English language. Old
1: Vinci Ferrari. Uh, Oh, do you have any idea how many times at the freaking like at the army band that Sam will get me, picture yourself looking at your music. I'm like, shut up. Shut up. Yes, it's (laughs) gone to the real world. It's in the real world. Yeah, it's (laughs) in the real world. So yeah,
0: they're out there to get the highest certification in hiking that was offered in the Soviet Union. Picture yourself looking at a certificate. Igor Dyatlov, for whom the event is now named. Yes. Organized a group of 10 hikers. what was his first name? Igor. Igor. Thank you. Mm. Igor. Oh, I get it. He organised a group of ten hikers in January of 1959. Igor was a radio engineering student at the Ural Polytechnical Institute and already had a Grade Two hiking certification, with plenty of ski tour experience in his bag already. What year were you we in again? 1959. Thank you. He wanted to gain his Grade Three certification, which required certification. a hike. C- certification <laughs> required a hike of over 300 kilometers. And so he would need a team to complete this.
2: That's a big hike. How long do you
0: reckon it would take you
2: to hike 300 kilometers? They were supposed to take 14 days. Yeah, don't worry about going up mountains. Just go for a 300-kilometer walk. How long do you reckon it'd take you?
0: At least 14 days. Oh, here we go.
1: Sean's going to be like, you know what 300 days a day. No, 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 I'm not. I was okay. doing some math in my head. Well, Did you how do- long-
2: did you do the, like the Kakoda Trail up in the? Is it Sunshine Coast Interlands where they have it? No. Okay. The Kokoda. they have got a Kokoda experience. Okay. Like, yeah. Like-
1: <laughs> so they it's a it's they call it the Kokoda Challenge. It's like yeah. a youth program that they do, and they do it as a often as a lead into actually going and doing the Kokoda Trail. It's wonderful. right.
0: Okay. Sorry.
2: Were you just about to pay me out for that? Yes,
0: I was. Shut down. Each of the ten people selected for the hike had a grade two certification. Certification. So would all move up to grade three when they certification. Returned. Yep. The group submitted their (laughs) planned route to the Sverdlovsk City Route Commission, uh, which was a division of the Sverdlovsk Committee of Physical Culture and Sport, and were granted permission to and given their route book on 23rd of January, 1959. They were given approval despite, and possibly because, late January and early February are the most difficult times to complete the hike. Mm -hmm. They were in for a real test. Winter time. time Yeah, deep winter. Yep, in Russia. Yes. Yes. Quite northern, too. Mm. Um, so, yeah, deep, deep snow. The hike itself. The group would set out on their journey from the city of Vizai on January 27th. After just a single day of hiking, one member would call it quits. Yuri Yudin had a number of health ailments, including rheumatism and a heart defect, and were suffering knee and joint pain. He would turn back with Igor Dyatlov detailing him, telling him, telling him, <laughs> That they expected to return to Viz on February 12th, but it may take a little longer than expected. This would be the last time that anyone outside of the group would see the hikers again. You've got to ask yourself, why did Yuri even try this? I know, you, you, he's got a heart condition. Then again, he had grade two, so he's obviously a good hiker. Okay, but, fair enough. But yeah, yeah. you think heart
2: condition and rheumatism, which is- yeah.
0: What exactly? I have literally no idea what rheumatism is. I rheumatism it look it
1: or up. rheumatic disorders are conditions causing chronic, often intermittent pain affecting the joints or the connective tissue. Ah,
0: There you go. Okay, it
1: doesn't it. designate any specific disorder, but it covers at least 200 different conditions, including arthritis, non-articular right. rheumatism. Okay. And so-, so Yeah. Like you said, he's got a grade two certification. So- Stop <laughs> saying it weird. <laughs> it's late, <laughs> damn it. <laughs>
2: yeah. So obviously, uh, what is the- no, don't worry about looking up what the Russian certification yeah, grade two is, but like yeah. grade three is a 300k hike, so yeah, it'd, it'd be different if it was like grade two is like 20ks
0: and then they yeah. bump it up to 300, <laughs> 20 <laughs> single day hike through yeah. the wilderness, yeah. um, <laughs> no camping, yeah, but yeah, like you said, why would he, yeah, I mean, why would he even try? I mean, his conditions could uh fluctuate, flare yeah, yeah, flare up, so it could be a bad day, fair yeah. enough. Well, when the 12th came and passed without word from Dyatlov's group, nobody was all that worried. It was pretty typical that hikes like this would take longer than expected, but as the days dragged on, the families of the missing hikers started to demand action from the authorities. Eventually, on the 20th of February, eight days after their original arrival time, the first search party was arranged and sent out by the sports club, with the army and police eventually becoming involved as well.
1: Planes and helicopters were even brought in to help the search. So it's mountaineering grading. So I'm just jumping in. Mountaineering grading. And every country has different requirements. Specifically post-USSR formation countries. They had a grading system that includes ranges from 1A to 6B and factor in difficulty, altitude, length, and commitment like in Alaskan. Um, At the time... Certificate 3 or grade 3 was the highest you could achieve in the Soviet Union. So they had grade 2, which, let's go to a which is an ascent of more than 500 meters on a peak between 2,000 and 6,000 meters or traverse at this height on rock, snow or ice with rock pitches of up to up to 2 and or snow and ice sections of up to 100 meters. And then they're going for grade 3, ascent of a peak more than 2,500 to 6,500 or traverse at this height on rock, snow and ice, route length up to 600 metres with long passengers of rock and ice.
0: There you go. It also had to be a 300k hike.
1: It's, it has nothing to do here about 300, going 300 kilometres.
0: Well, whatever I read
1: said 300. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm going to say grade two was 20. Yeah. 20k's. Sure, 20k's. Yep. On February 26th, so that is 14 days after... They were originally supposed to arrive and Two six weeks. days after the start of the search. Or a fortnight or one. Uh, one. One. Period. Tales period. Or- yep. Yeah. Uh, the group's tent was found abandoned and badly damaged on the slope of a mountain nearby to O'Torton. It still had most of the hikers' belongings inside. This is where things started to get weird. How far into the 300Ks is this? They were about 10Ks from O'Torton. From what I read. And that was their destination. Yeah. So a bit, so 290. It was 300 on their return. So it was about 140. Okay. Yeah. So first of all, the tent had been cut open from the inside Mm -mm. and there were footprints leading away towards a small forest about 1.5 kilometers from the tent. The searchers would follow the footprints, uh, which uh, from what I read, they disappeared, like the footprints disappeared about 500 meters away from the tent. Mm -hmm. like They'd just been obscured. And, the, and they found the first two bodies next to the remnants of a fire. Those of hikers Yuri Doroshenko and Gregory, sorry, Georgi Krivoshenko, Krivonishenko. There you go. Curiously, despite the negative 30 degree temperatures, that's negative 30 Celsius. Oh, damn. Yeah. Both bodies were found without their clothes. That'd be almost negative 30 Fahrenheit too, wouldn't it? Neg pretty, 40 is where yeah, they join. Pretty close. Yeah, neg 40 Celsius and neg 40 Fahrenheit are the same. Nearby trees also had broken branches up to about five metres, which the investigators thought might have been caused by the hikers climbing the tree to get a look at something. When the trees are investigated, they were found to have traces of human skin on the bark, so that supports that theory. Mm. So all this stuff that they're finding. Yeah, so tent
2: ripped from the inside. So it's about two weeks since yeah. what's happened. Is it just still there because it, frozen? Yeah, and, like, nobody else is going through there. Yeah, okay. It's a pretty remote area. But, like, I would assume
0: footprints would be covered in with fresh snowfall or- Yeah. So, there that has doesn't, been- doesn't seem to be that way. It was pretty clear when the investigators got there. Mm-hmm. So, they're not sure how long it had been clear. Okay. um, Yeah, that, that does come up. All right. Yeah. So, yeah, they've been scaling the tree to get a look at something. Yep. Um or getting away from something. Yeah. Uh and then they've found two of them at the bottom of the trees dead next to an old uh, next to the remnants of a fire. Fire, oh, yep. And uh they didn't have any clothes. They were wearing like their underwear. That's about it. In negative 30 degrees. Yes. Damn, that's yeah, you're not gonna last long. Between the forest and the tent, they found two hikers on the twenty seventh of January, those of Igor Igor Dyatlov and Zinida. Zinaida. Yeah. Zinaida uh, Kolmogorova. Mm. Russian names are fun to say. Kolmogorova. Kolmogorova. Yes. The fifth body, that of Rustem Slobodin, was found on March 5th. So, about a week later. Mm -hmm. All three looked as though they were trying to get back to the tent and were all found in just their underwear. No injuries were found aside from a small crack in Slobodin's skull uh, that wasn't considered fatal so it looks like he'd got a bonk on the head but he wasn't uh, wasn't in any danger of dying from that
2: so so far we've had five people yep. leave the tent
0: all of them left the tent potentially dying. in a hurry because mm-hmm. it was cut open mm-hmm. in their underwear yes not necessarily started in their underwear though yeah uh, yes okay yep
1: but yep. they were yeah
0: all five hikers that had been found were given a medical examination and were found to have died from hypothermia. The lack of clothing was attributed to paradoxical undressing, a phenomenon caused by nerves being overwhelmed and damaged as the body's core temperature drops, causing the brain to feel an overwhelming sense of heat, which causes the victim to strip off their clothes, making the freezing happen all the faster. Now, okay, yep. this this is being discovered, like I'm, I'm telling that bit in- the timeline. Mm-hmm. So, this is March 5th. They've done a medical examination immediately and they've gone, oh, they all died of hypothermia. They didn't have their clothes. Must have been paradoxical paradoxical undressing. Have Have I told you about the time I applied to go to Antarctica for work? Yes. You've mentioned it on this podcast. Too. Have I?
1: Okay, have yeah. come close a few times myself, actually. I'd
0: love to go. Mm. I,
2: I just remember the, the questionnaire that you could do in applying. Like, if you do a job and you go back in and- You forget tools out there, but you've already taken off your thermal clothing. Do you go back out? And it's like, well, no, no, because you need to have thermals on all the time. Yeah. Even if it's just to run back out and
0: grab something, no. Yeah. Big no-no.
1: I've had a few of my friends go down and do that. It's pretty cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I reckon I would enjoy it. I think the fact that you're down there for six months is a pretty hectic- At least. Yeah. It's a pretty hectic amount of time to commit,
1: but- The summer trips are three months. Four to six months. Yes. Winter winter time you're there for 18 months.
2: Mm. It's potentially the story of our mate surgeon who had to do his own- Yeah, um, do his own surgery. Spleen removal, Mm. appendectomy.
0: Yeah. Crazy. Mm. The four in the ravine changed the story. It would take a further two months to find the remaining four hikers, but when they were found, they would take the strangeness up a notch. They were found a further 76 metres from the tree line that Krivoshenko and Doroshenko were found. Now, keep in mind that was like, I think it was 1.5 Ks away from the tent. That's a long way. Another 76 metres on from that. Mm -hmm. They were at the bottom of a snow-covered ravine with an improvised shelter found nearby. They were found to have some pretty serious injuries. These were the bodies of Alexander Kolovatov, uh, Semyon Zolotaryov, Nikolai uh, Thebo Brignoles, uh, and Lyudmila Dabinia. I'm sure I I've just, butchered all of those. Yeah, can I just ask quickly when we're writing this? Mm. Copy paste. Thank you.
2: Yeah. I <laughs> know <laughs> yeah. oh, you're not typing those names in. Yeah. No, no. I did the same thing Lyudmila last episode for the painting names. Dubinina.
0: Dubinina. I don't know. That's the dumb. one I'm not sure of is Nikolai Thebo. I think it's like. Thibos brignoles, but like it doesn't sound Russian. Big big nose. Brignoles. Big noses. Frijoles. Yeah, it, sounds
2: frijoles. Like, it sounds like Italian. Yeah, Italian. <laughs> you did the, the- Yeah, I did the- The hand pitch. The hand
1: pitch. <laughs> for the word frijoles, which is a Spanish word for refried beans.
0: While Kolovatov had died from hypothermia, uh, Thibault brignoles had a fractured skull. Hmm. <laughs> Zolotayov had crushed ribs and Dubinina, Dubinina had crushed ribs and most curiously, a missing tongue. That's what I was thinking. I was, I was about to ask, wasn't someone missing an eye or missing eyeballs? Uh, or yeah, what? one of them was missing eyes too. Yeah. I think it was Kolovatov. One of them was missing eyes. Um, I'll just spoil it. They think that's because of just wild animals coming across the bodies or because they were found in a ravine that had a stream because um, they also had some like tissue damage on their face. What do you mean a stream just like crabs
2: or like animals again, or just just the water? just the water just popped out an eye and washed it away.
0: yeah, that's like gross. just because it's flowing water, it might have like caused extra damage, okay, just by being in water. still, um, it's still gross just happened to pop an eyeball out and just being down further downstream, you're like, whoa, oh, what's that? Oh, that's Ooh, an gross. eyeball. Why is it looking at me? All four <laughs> were also found to be wearing the clothes of the hikers that had already been found. So the other five Mm. and most intriguing of all, the clothes were found to be radioactive. In fact, there was radioactivity all over the area. Uh Um, Keep that in mind. Uh Radioactivity. Increasing the curiosity of the find was the fact that the hikers didn't have any outward signs of injury and the injuries seemed to be too intensive for a human to have caused. Some said the injuries appeared to be similar to those suffered in a car crash. It was a yeti. We'll get to the theories later, boy. (laughs) Okay. The initial investigation. Yes. As soon as the first five bodies had been found, an investigation began into what had caused their deaths. Based on the five bodies found earlier on, it seemed as though they had just died of exposure after leaving the tent. There were a few leading theories at this stage. The first of which being that the hikers had been attacked by an indigenous group of people in the region, the Mansi. It was thought that they may have attacked the group for encroaching on their land. In fact, a number of Mansai were round up and interrogated. However, it was eventually dismissed due to the lack of hand-to-hand combat wounds, as well as the lack of physical evidence that anyone aside from the likers had been there. Also, the Mansai very peaceful, not known to attack anyone. Hmm. Reindeer so, herders. Yeah.
2: So, there are people who live
0: in, yes. that, in those conditions. But mm-hmm. very few and far between. That's, yeah, okay. Yeah. Where?
2: yeah. Still and indigenous today?
0: people, too. Uh, I think they might still be there. Yeah, right. The Good. Mansai It's only- Sixty odd years ago, seventy years ago. Yeah. Sixty I years ago. I mean sixty years and negative thirty. Sixty four years. There are Ugric, that doesn't sound fun.
1: Ugric no. indigenous people living in the Kanti mansia an autonomous Okrog. So they're There's still there? Lots of Russian words. Um the Mansi language is one of the most postulated Ugric language, uh, languages of the Uralic family. The Mansi people were formerly known as Vogels, together with the Kanti people, the Mansi are politically represented in the association of an, oh, yeah, organization founded during the Perestroika of the late 1980s. The organization was among the first regional indigenous associations in Russia. Yeah, they live in like little, man, it's really a small, a super duper small area. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Like man population, according to the 2021 census, total- 12. 12,000. <laughs> Jeez,
0: you were feeling pretty good for a second there, weren't I man. was. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and most of them live in one real small bit. Oh, there you go. Yep. Still a
2: larger population than trying to think of Skidmore. Skidmore, yeah. (laughs) yeah.
1: Do not bring up that episode.
2: I was going to say Nantucket, but I'm like, no, it's not Nantucket. (laughs) I knew it was some
1: strange Nantucket was from the Essex. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. That's where the Essex was from. Yep. Two icky episodes and one reference. (laughs) No. (laughs) Bump it. The second theory at this stage was that perhaps they had decided to
0: take some drugs and let things get a little out of hand. <laughs> a little out of hand? Mm-hmm. Again, there was a lack of physical evidence of a fight as let's well as a lack streaking. of any evidence of drugs at the scene <laughs> and they just weren't known for doing that. No. I know their clothes were taken off outside, but just, let's go streaking. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah oh, geez, a bit nippy. <laughs> oh, the nips Could would- have been a bit nip. The nips would be- yeah, yeah. yeah. Once the other four bodies were recovered and their injuries investigated- other theories started to emerge as the extra damage to their bodies hinted at something a little more violent. Yeti. I'm still not at the actual theories bit. This is the initial investigation theories. As stated earlier, it appeared as though they'd been in a car crash, though without any external injuries to explain the damage. It seemed as though they had undergone a lot of pressure. Okay. So internal injuries can be caused by pressure. Yep. Um, without leaving external ones to sort of explain. The only real possibility investigated by the authorities was that of an avalanche causing the hikers to leave the tent in a hurry and run to the woods for safety. The theory was that they were woken in the, in the night, either unable to leave through the tent entrance due to the snow from the avalanche or fearful of an avalanche uh, being imminent mm-hmm. and cut their way from the tent. As they had been sleeping, they wouldn't have been wearing their full outdoor gear. And so when they got to the woods, some would attempt to retrieve their gear once the danger had passed, while the others tried to start a fire. Um, could, then, al- could also yep. explain the tree climbing to see whether the uh, avalanche snow and- was still going. Yep. Yep. Um, then those that attempted to get back to the tent died of hypothermia while trying to find it, while the four that ended up in the ravine either fell in while looking for the tent or were swept there by the avalanche that did appear. So if there was
2: an avalanche, would the tent still be, like, was it found in a... In a visible state, it wasn't buried
0: or anything? Yes, there's a photo of it. Um, It was found, like, it had snow on it and it was kind of flattened. But not like an avalanche. It wasn't underneath. Yeah. No. The problem with the avalanche theory, though, was that the investigators didn't find any evidence of an avalanche occurring. There were none of the telltale signs, like debris and material swept all over the place, nor- It'd be- the trees would be, like, kind of pushed over as well type of thing. Avalanches generally don't affect established trees. Yeah, okay. Um, There were none of the telltale signs, like the debris and materials, uh, swept all over the place, nor were the bodies covered in thick snow between the woods and the tent. Over 100 other expeditions were completed during the time of the investigation, and none reported uh, avalanches or the conditions that would create them. Additionally, it was thought that Dyatlov and the other hikers were far too experienced to camp in a position likely to be affected by an avalanche, and would likely have chosen the spot for their tent based on the flatness of the land around. Due to the lack of evidence, the investigators would conclude that an unknown compelling force caused the hikers to leave their tent and seek shelter in the tree line. So that's a line that you hear quite often when you're talking about the Dialov Pass is unknown an unknown compelling force. Yep. So what's your gut, gut feel at this stage? We're about to get into the- I, c- I can't get guv- gut feel because I kind of know some of the theories. Yeah. I don't want to give it away. All right, Sean, you also have read everything, haven't you? I've
1: read stuff. Yeah, okay. So
0: I can't get a gut check
1: for people. Listening. I vote for abominable snow abominable snow. A
0: yeti. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. Abominable snow abominable, abominable snowman. Got it wrong too.
0: Monsters Inc. Okay, yeti, you, Gemma, you yeah. say
2: that I'll say aliens. Cool. It'll go it's always aliens. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> aliens. Alien. That is a real I didn't realise that was a real dude. Yeah. I just thought it was a, like from a movie or uh, something. A like, it's A real show good. on the History Channel. Yeah. 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 Anyway, that's, that's, a that's, that's a real whole show on the History That's a channel. whole other story. The Aliens guy.
0: So let's get in to the other theories that try to explain this. Mystery. Are you going Yeti first or aliens first? I'm going to go in no particular order. Okay. And for those listening along at home that don't know this story, one of the theories that I get into is an actual explanation for the mystery. So this is the one that people recently have said, okay. this is what we are confident happened based on all the evidence we can find and the research we've done. Cool. I think I know which one it's going to be. Yep. But continue. Yeah. So these theories are not fueled by vodka as the initial <laughs> investigation was.
2: Oh, I got to keep warm in the negative 30 degrees. Yeah.
0: But uh, yeah, I will reveal which one is the currently agreed theory okay. at the end. So have a listen. Again, not in any particular order. It's the first one. No. <laughs> Although maybe it is. The first one is infrasound. This theory was put forth by a man named Donnie E. Denny- Donnie Icar, Ikar. his name is Donnie Icar, Ichar, whatever. His book is called <laughs> Dead Mountain and he claims that wind moving around a nearby mountain caused a Carmen Vortex Street, which is a bunch of vortices that cause a terrifying sound that can cause physical discomfort and panic in humans and that this would drive the hikers to leave the tent as quickly as possible, but when they reach the tree line would be outside the effect of the sound causing them to come to their senses and begin trying to work out how to survive. The injuries were then caused by the hikers either freezing to death or falling down the ravine to the rocks below. What's that called again? A Carmen Vortex Street. So, essentially, it's like the construction of the area around the mountains can cause the wind to, like, smack into each other. And reverberate and- Create vortices that then create this infrasound, which is, like, below human hearing level. Is it similar to- what they say, like your big windmills create. Yes, yeah, exactly like that. I hey, listen to it. Sean's going to send you crazy. So yeah, that's the first theory. Mm-hmm. Is that potentially it was these winds? So wind, wind is the first theory. Yeah, and these uh, these have been shown to be possible in areas like this.
2: Yeah. Now you said it was inaudible. Is there an audible?
0: I don't know if it's got an audible tone to it. Tone to I it. assume that it would. Most sounds have octaves, yeah. so it would be octaved up. Because I
2: would assume if it's the low frequency one that like the reverberation of the sound is causing that thing, which giving you a feeling and then yep. there's an audible sound to it of like, might sound like an avalanche. Yeah. Probably add to- Sean's on Spotify trying to find it. Probably add to the terror of like, you know, because they might be thinking, well- Yeah. They, they already said like- Camped in a flood area. So, mm. But maybe if you, if you hear something that sounds like an avalanche, you're not going to go. I
0: don't think that's an avalanche. Yeah. Uh, actually, we're on a flat piece of land.
2: Uh, yeah, no. And if you're already yeah. being affected by the vibrations of the wind mm. and stuff like that. So. The second theory is
0: wind again, but this time catabatic wind. It was wind from inside the people's bodies. <laughs> Someone ripped a huge fart and they couldn't stand the smell.
2: That's how they had to cut themselves out of the tent. Igor... <laughs>
0: told you not to eat all the beans. (sighs) No, similar to the previous theory, catabatic winds are considered a possibility for the hiker's retreat from the tent. Catabatic winds are rare and can be extremely violent and happen when high-density air is dragged down a slope by the force of gravity. They can reach up to uh, cyclonic speeds. So,
2: air gets so dense, Mm -hmm. it's affected by gravity. Yes. Well- that's, yeah. yeah, that's what you just said. Yeah, the air becomes it's more
0: dense than the air below it. So dense, gravity yeah. affects it. That's mm. crazy. And it can reach cyclonic speeds. Happens quite regularly in Antarctica. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with the temperatures in the air on that night, it's possible that the cooling of air on top of the mountain would produce a wind strong enough to make it impossible to stay in the tent, which was on the slope of the mountain. So they were not like, they were on a flat-ish bit, mm-hmm. but- But they're still upper. Yeah, so this wind could have come down and hit the tent so hard that- It either collapsed the tent or made them like, oh, we can't stay here because what the hell's happening? Yeah, okay. Um, The hikers would have then cut their way out of the tent, covered it with snow to make it safe to find later on. Yep. uh, Ran to the tree line and then again make temporary shelters, you know, fall down the ravine, blah, blah, blah. The cause of
2: death, falling in the ravine, hypothermia, that's not changing. No. It's why they're leaving. Yeah, why were they
0: out of the tent in their undies?
2: Yeah. Yeah. How big is said tent? Because every time you say tent, I'm thinking- Well, it's a like,
0: 10-person 10 tent. It's a 10-person. I'm
1: thinking yeah. like a little four-person- But it's a 10-person 10 tent, tent from nineteen, the 1950s. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's probably the size of what, like a four-man tent now? But no, it's not that. It's just that it would have been very simple and rectangular in construction. Yeah. It's not like a fancy hiking tent. When you see the photo, it
0: is literally just a rectangular tent. Yeah, Okay. Um, there is actually a little bit of supporting evidence for this one. There was a light left on the tent found by the investigators. So, as if they were they had left and yeah. were trying to find it on the way back.
1: Climbing the tree. Where's that light? Which yeah. also supports the fact that the footprints are not indicative of anybody running. They, yeah. they were moving oh, at like, normal pace. Okay.
0: Yep. Mm. Theory three, an avalanche. Again, the, the avalanche point. theory isn't quite dead as there was a specific kind of avalanche known as a slab avalanche. It's like a glacier. No. <laughs> there are two types of avalanche. Sure. And the first is probably the one you think of, which is called a loose snow avalanche. Mm-hmm. So, loose snow avalanches occur when a small amount of snow starts to fall and then picks up other snow, causes it to start moving. That yeah. gathers. And it snowballs. Yes, but not in a ball. No. Um, yeah, and then that just picks up pace uh, into a much bigger avalanche. A slab avalanche, on the other hand, happens when an entire slab of snow starts moving on top of another layer of snow or the ground all at once. Um, generally, they're caused when you've got like layered snow and a layer on the bottom is either melting or is weaker than the layer on top. And so then just gives way and everything moves at once. Yeah, right. They're much more dangerous. That sounds the, terrifying. Yeah. The immediacy of it is pretty crazy. Yeah. When you see them, it's scary because- mm. The footage of them is just like, you know, it's a massive sort of a mountain of snow goes. Yeah. Yeah. The slab avalanche theory gained momentum. Get it? No. Uh, no,
2: I don't get it. Can you please explain?
0: No. During a 2015 <laughs> reinvestigation by the investigative committee of the Russian Federation, in which they reviewed the evidence of the original investigation. They found that the conditions had been much harsher than first estimated with cyclonic winds, a blizzard, and temperatures as low as negative 40 degrees or negative 40 degrees Fahrenheit. Oof. So that's the point where they meet. That's cold. Yeah. I was at Hockey
2: grounds this morning. It was like negative, not negative. It was like 0.3. And I'm like, this is cold. Yeah,
0: (laughs) Yeah. Imagine 40 below that. I know. That's crazy. Yeah. The investigators who arrived at the scene in 1959 were three weeks after the incident and so hadn't considered the harshness of the conditions at the time when they got there it was quite calm peaceful mm-hmm. so they didn't really think about maybe it was and hectic
2: it's, it's another 3 weeks towards the end of the season
0: too so yeah. like conditions are getting think oh, getting better yeah it was like late february yeah so the news theory stated that the hikers set their tent uh set their tent with an indent dug into the snow so picture like a slight slope mm-hmm. and they've like cut a bit out to film. get a yep. flat piece um and then overnight The snow started to build up on the upward side of the slope due to the wind and snowfall, which in turn created a heavier load on the layer of snow that had been weakened by the indent they dug. Eventually, the weight of the snow exceeded the friction capacity of the layer of snow underneath and the slab avalanche hit the tent. The group cut the tent in panic and ran to the trees for safety, or as the footprints suggested, walked walked. to safety. As in the other theories, this then led to their deaths from hypothermia and the injuries from falling in the ravine. In 2021, a research group would look to prove that the slab avalanche theory was possible in this area and found that on slopes as low as 30 degrees, a slab avalanche could occur. During an expedition to the area in 2021, it was found that there were numerous slopes of 30 degrees in the area and other expeditions in the area have documented slab avalanches. An expedition in 2022 also found that the evidence of a slab avalanche can be covered by new snowfall in less than an hour, which dispels the earlier evidence that showed no signs of an avalanche. So, that's the one that's considered to be- that's the one. I should have just put it at the end, but, you know. Um, Well, it's- It's a very compelling argument. You gave the date that they found this evidence last year.
2: You've already said that- I should have put it last. Yeah. Ah, well. Um, slab avalanche. Okay. I'm going to have to link dump the video. Let's, let's n- find a video of a slab avalanche and link dump it because yeah. I want to see that.
0: Yeah. Let's get through the other fun theories though. Oh, okay. Yeti. Yeti is nexty. This one though is sex gone wrong. Some theorize that the group was doing the sex and that jealousy caused a fight to break out that caused them to exit the tent to fight. All nine of them. Yep. Negative
2: three. Okay.
0: Yep. This is as ridiculous as it sounds and also isn't supported by the lack of hand-to-hand injuries. There was also no reported interest between any of the hikers outside of casual flirting, though I guess this could develop over the weeks in the snow. And now, the Yeti. Another classic example of cryptids gone wild, this theory states that the group was (laughs) attacked by a Yeti. Again, there is literally no evidence to support this, including the fact that I can't imagine a Yeti would stick around to cover its tracks.
2: No, Yetis are smart. They could do that. There was no Yeti footprints? Yeah, covering its trucks. They're they're clever. That's how they've hidden. They've been hidden from us for so long. You know what?
0: Yeti confirmed. (laughs) Aliens. That's right. It's the father of all theories. Aliens. Some other hikers in the area reported strange orbs of orange light in the sky, which couldn't be identified. They didn't act like airplanes, and they didn't seem to move at all. Some theorise that this was aliens coming down to attack the hikers. Though, again, there is no evidence of anything from outside this world being at the scene. However, there's no evidence that there wasn't Wasn't. aliens (laughs) at the scene. So, I guess that's enough. (laughs)
2: Have you got any more to go?
0: I do. One more. Is it to do with the radioactivity? It is. Military exercise gone wrong. This theory has two different angles. Let's go at them one at a time. The first is that the orbs of light seen by other hikers mentioned earlier were in fact caused by the military testing parachute mines in the area. Parachute mines are exactly what they sound like. Mines drop by a plane with a parachute behind them to slow their descent.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They then explode in the air, causing a concussion wave on the ground. Interestingly, these types of weapons are known to cause internal injuries while leaving the exterior of the person undamaged. So, there is some chance that this was part of it. Could they also cause avalanches? My next sentence. It's also possible to consider a mine triggering an avalanche, which would then cause both theories to be true. While it's true that the military was testing these weapons at the time, there is no evidence found that this was happening in the direct area of the hikers. So, it was happening somewhere near this, but not necessarily directly where they were. And I mean,
2: I wouldn't put it past Russian military deny those claims. Yes. After finding out that they've caused
0: the deaths of nine people. Let's get into theory two. Okay. And then there's a little extra on okay. this. Okay. The second theory uses the radiation as its grounding, mm-hmm. stating that the military was completing secret tests of nuclear weapons in the, the area. The SAR bomb. Yes. SAR bomba. It's not the SAR bomb. <laughs>
2: no. Just, you would not be finding bodies. you know if- that that was there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: the hikers, and so this theory says that the hikers were unfortunate and unknowingly in the area when a nuke or a smaller version of a nuke were set off. This would explain the radiation and, again, could explain the internal injuries without external. Mm-hmm. But I do find it hard to believe- grave. I do find it hard to believe that a nuke could be set off without anyone else noticing. Mm. It should also be said that the radiation found at the site was a very low level and harmless- and that some have theorized that this was in fact from old glow in the dark material used in watches and other instruments. Okay. Not exactly super compelling.
2: Yeah, I was going to ask where's the radioactivity coming to the avalanche theory.
0: There's not really a hell of a lot on the radiation. Mm. Um but yeah, most of the theories are like it's probably from clandestine sources. Um you know like yeah. the, the radium in old yeah, glow in the dark stuff. Yeah. yeah. One thing that does add credibility mm-hmm. to this theory, though, tell me more, is that the hiker who left early, Yuri Yudin, he came back, was brought in to identify clothing found at the scene. He would state that he didn't recognise one cloth that he believed to be of military origin.
2: Oh, that's
0: right. And that he couldn't identify a set of skis and glasses. He would then state that it was his belief that the military got to the scene first and covered up their involvement. Yeah, that's where a lot of the military stuff comes in is people are like, well, of course there was no evidence. The military got there first and covered up their tracks. Wasn't one of the hikers working in a nuclear plant as well? I think they were at an institute that was doing, doing- nuclear study as yeah, well. That, yeah, that was- I think that's um, Igor. Igor was in- the and Ural Polytechnical Institute.
2: Didn't- And is he one that found with the cloth? And that's- I thought that was one of the theories saying that the, the cloth could have been from-
0: The cloth was the radioactive thing from yeah. what he was doing. Yeah. yeah. I didn't read that, but that would track as well. Mm. Um, I think the theory of the military stuff is like, they got there first and hit it all. It makes sense. I, I again, mm. wouldn't put it past. The mine is actually super compelling to me. Because if it dropped- like. You think, even if it's not necessarily right there, the shockwave caused by it going off could have caused an avalanche and making them go, oh, crap, get out of here. Could it also cause those winds? No. In a a way like the shockwave bouncing off the peaks or something like that. Oh, the infrasound. Yeah. Infrasound. Yeah, Yeah, maybe. Um, That's the thing that's so mysterious about Dyatlov Pass, right, is that there's so many little bits of it that make sense. Make sense. And others that don't. And they can be explained by something else. Mm. But that thing has its own problems. And this thing has its own problems. And the Yeti's not possible. And the aliens are definitely possible. And- <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. Interesting. Interesting. And so it was the slab avalanche that has been
0: recently. Yeah. So they did a lot of research recently into the slab avalanche theory. Agreed um, to be what has happened. Yeah. And they said that, like, it could happen. So they cut this hole in the snow. Yeah. And if that was done, it would take as little as seven hours for the snow to weaken enough to then slide down onto them.
2: Yeah. So, in, in that theory, then it's saying that the tent, the tenting or the area they set up would actually be in higher up on the peak uh, for, so
1: the, for the snow, sli- for,
0: for it all to slide down. It's not suggesting that the whole thing slid with the tent on it. It's suggesting that the bit above the tent slid into the tent.
1: Yeah. Oh, OK. Yeah. And enough, that would then push to, the tent down. Yeah, enough but, to push the tent to make them go, we need to get out of this tent. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But then why would it- I would assume that it would still be covered by snow.
1: Well, not necessarily.
0: Not covered- Yeah. It's just- the Slab lab could have kept going when the tent stopped and then slid off it.
2: Yeah, okay. All right.
0: Yeah. Um, And then like the way that snow behaves is really weird. So- Like sand. Yeah. It may have moved off of it again or, you know. Strange. Just sounds like- they were
2: very unlucky because you said in the three weeks afterwards for the investigation mm. there was a hundred successful expeditions out there.
0: No, that was after the nine three that were found.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, after that I found, but still, that's a lot.
0: Yeah, and then yeah,
2: for this one
0: night to whatever happened. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, even the slab avalanche theory, the people that the people that researched it said, hey, this is not definitive. Mm. There's actually okay.
1: no proof of any theory. All of them have holes. Yeah, the slab avalanche just explains injuries and the pressure put on the tent, potentially. Mm. Yep. Not necessarily the reasoning behind anything.
0: Yeah. And there's also no evidence that it was a slab avalanche. It just explains it, you know. So, yeah, there's so many pieces to this that are just so I guess it's tantalizingly gonna, close. It's going to be one of those mysteries that probably go unsolved. Yeah. Forever. mm what happened at Dyatlov Pass? Yeah. So there is a place called Dyatlov Pass. Mm-hmm. It is not where the tent was found. Oh, it's not? <laughs> no, it's like 150 metres away or something. Okay. <laughs> like, In the ravine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like no, that was they, they named something, but it wasn't the place. It, maybe not 150 metres, but like it's not not the place. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that is Dyatlov Pass. Yeah, right. That's oh,
2: okay. Sticky. So I guess out of the four things we mentioned when we- initially discussed this podcast, we've just got Stephen Bradbury to do. Yep. A
0: sports one. We've talked about doing a sports one a bit recently. Hmm. Yeah, I've still got one brewing.
2: Well, thanks, boy. That's- uh, That's all right. Good to for me to revisit a story of, I've heard before and hear the update. And- what did you think, Sean? You've never heard that one?
1: No, I've never heard of that one before. Mm. Oh, really? Yeah. Completely new. It's a good one. Surprising that I've never even heard of it mentioned. Mm. Yeah. It was cool. To
0: be honest, I hadn't heard of it until
1: a video that I saw a few years ago. So, I hadn't heard of it
0: until a podcast I listened to a couple
1: yeah. of
2: years ago. So, hmm.
1: Good anyway. story. Thanks, I can, boy. I can Kim. get back onto listening to new podcasts again. I got a new headset for my motorcycle helmet that's now loud enough that I can actually hear the damn podcast. <laughs>
0: <Yes>. <laughs> well, for those of you who have social media, hit us up on at Pod, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is where you'll find us with that handle. Um, please give us a share. Share us with a friend who likes mysteries or maybe just likes good stories. Mm-hmm. Maybe mm-hmm. they like happy fun stories. Maybe they like sad, depressing ones like mine. Maybe, maybe they like, like snow.
1: Maybe they like puns. Yes. Yes. Share us with a friend who likes terrible
0: fun. Sh- terrible Sh- terrible, terrible fun.
1: Share us with a friend that likes consistent and awful jokes. Yeah. <laughs> 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 keep going.
0: Share us with a friend who likes uh, inside jokes and tell them to start at the first episode. Picture Tell, yourself picture looking, yourself, at, your looking phone, at your friend. sharing the podcast.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I do like this third person view of our lives we've got now. <laughs> it's, it's out of control. I say it. I say it so often. Picture it's, yourself. Picture looking yourself. At looking it at. I, 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 I keep saying it. It's become part of my vernacular. And I'm the, not happy with the it.
0: The best bit about it is that I heard you say it. I could have just let it pass. I could have just let it go through the keeper
1: and we'd never say anything about it again. Now it's a thing forever. (laughs) Oh, I love it.
2: All right. right, Thank you for sharing that story with us, boy, and uh, with me and the Chiquitos.
1: Um, I've had some Chiquitos. Can I say one final comment on this story? You can. They spent the majority of their time skiing, not hiking, but yeah. They cross-country skiing. Cross-country skiing, Yeah. yeah.
0: That's I watched something today and somebody was like, I have to apologize to ski, uh, to cross country skiers. It's not just glorified walking. <laughs> I don't know where I heard that, but it <laughs> was the funniest thing I've ever heard. Anyway, <laughs> let's wrap it up. Good night guys. Bye.
1: Good night. Bye. Good night podcast world.